You know, but it really is amazing when we think about that. When you, if you're on Facebook or anything of that nature, the presence that you can put about yourself, and you just put the good stuff, the beautiful stuff, and we can create an image. But let's all be honest. <laughs> Every one of us in this room is creating an image. And we're somehow, we, we, it's amazing how much energy and thought, how much resource we put into creating our image, which really is the general impression that we want to present to the public. And so why do we do this, right? Why, why do we feel like we have to think, and you guys thought today, this morning, about what am I going to wear? Is my hair okay? Um, all the stuff, even when you walk into church, sometimes you can feel like it's important to put an image up. Now, on one hand, let me just, let's just be honest about humanity. On one hand, what we do every single day, all day long, is we try to do things that will make our life better. That's why we decide every decision you make, you make it because somehow you thought this will increase the quality or the effectiveness of my life. And by the way, thank you for weathering the, the, the winter weather, right? Because I'm sure you had to sit there and go, do I actually want to make the drive, get out in the cold, and come here to K2? So for some reason, you think that this is going to make things better. On the other hand, what makes life better is when you feel valued, esteemed, and loved, when you know that there's someone who's given you respect or admiration, we do things to help others believe that we're worthy to give us love and respect and admiration. John Eldridge, one of my favorite authors, he says, every boy says, do I have what it takes? And every girl says, am I beautiful? And it was interesting when I thought about it, and if you're new with us, we're in this series called Make 2016 Great. How do we, how do we kick off this year and make it a great year? And, and I had this memory um, when I was about eight years old, I think. I, that's about the age frame I remember. I used to call myself David the Great. Yeah, and, and I don't know if my sisters and brothers thought it was that funny. For those of you who know who the Joseph story, they probably wanted to drag me out, throw me in a pit, and sell me to slavery too. But, but one of the cool things though, when I look back at when I was eight years old, see, to believe that you're great is not a negative thing. Now it can lead to pride, right? And then it does get bad. But to know, to have somehow at your core of your being, when I was eight year, years old, I believed I mattered. I actually believed I was valuable. I had esteem, which means I felt the respect, the admiration. And there's just something really good about that. Do I matter and am I significant? Now, two weeks ago, we talked about, the message was on the great one. So if we're going to look at what greatness is, make 2016, we got to look at the great one. So we looked at Jesus Christ, and here's what it was in Philippians chapter 2. It says, in your relationships with one another, and we're going to get into that a lot today, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So when you look at Jesus Christ and when you see his life, when you look at him in the Bible, when you look at his teachings, what you realize is Jesus turned everything upside down by saying what, what, to be great means that you empty yourself and you actually become a servant. You humble yourself 
and you actually become obedient for Jesus, obedient all the way to the death on the cross. And then what that scripture said was, because of that, because he was a servant, because he emptied himself, because he was humble, therefore, God raised him to the highest place. So when Jesus came to help us to understand, as he said, to testify to what is true, the truth in Jesus Christ is that greatness is when you become a servant. And so here's the question. Why are we so driven to do just the opposite? Every human being. Nobody is longing and seeking to become the servant. In our culture, we live in a culture of success. As I was studying, one person said, it's, it's, it's a success excess. <laughs> it, success has really become the new drug for us. Because it's the thing, when you rise up and you're above everybody else, it shows you, man, look at me. <laughs> I did it. I've made it. I matter. I'm valuable. And that actually triggers stuff inside of us that feels really good, and we get addicted to it, and we need more of it. Now, what's interesting, if any of us in this room, right, if you were offered this week a new car or a corner office or a nicer home or a chance to have chefs, think about this. What if you could have a week where you just had chefs and maids and servants and people totally, how many of you would jump at that opportunity, right? Okay, and the rest of you are lying. You guys do this to me all the time in church. It's amazing. You can repent later. We'll have that in for you. But no, no, see, as humans... We are all, and here's what's interesting, sometimes literally killing ourselves to get that stuff. To be successful, to show that we matter. And we are, some of you have done it already. You have damaged your marriage. Your relationships with your kids is distant. Your own body, right, has stressed itself out. Because if you don't have this stuff, then you're going to struggle to feel like you matter. And then some of us are sitting here this morning and you, you feel shameful because you haven't been able to live up to that standard. It, it's just all of us are driven to do this. And here's what's crazy. Apparently, if Jesus was here and if he could actually live in us, and his kingdom would come and his will would be done. You guys remember the Lord's Prayer, right? Remember when he said, may your kingdom come, God, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Apparently, if Jesus was in us, we would be so free from this need to elevate ourselves. We'd be looking at how we could actually elevate other people. We would actually be looking, if, again, if greatness, see, because in America, we believe that greatness means that I've achieved all these things, and yet that I have the higher position, and yet for Jesus, greatness, as we put in base camp, it's like climbing a mountain by walking downhill. It's so hard for us to understand, but that's, we would actually be looking for chances to serve in God's kingdom because that's what's great. So do you guys see how different we are as human beings? How many of you get up every morning and you are striving and, and giving all your time and all of your energy for the lowest position at your work? How many of you are doing that? See, it's, it's just weird. You know, it would be interesting, there wouldn't, if, if the kingdom of God was here, there wouldn't be enough serving positions to go around. 
because everybody be longing to serve. But that's not us, man. And I don't know how, it's, how this is looking in your marriage. Because again, what is this all about? Jesus, the scriptures say, in your relationships. So how's it, how's it going with your, with your wife? How's it going with your husband? Do you guys fight to outserve each other? <laughs> yeah, keep laughing. Come on. Right? Why, with our kids, are you, are you struggling? Are you seeking to be great so you're, you're serving your children? Do you wake up tomorrow morning on Monday and go, man, I can't wait to serve my employees or I can't wait to serve my boss in your friendships? At K2 here, do you, just sit, do you wake up when it's on Sunday morning and you go, man, I can't wait to serve? See, because if that was the greatest thing, because you're human, and every decision you make is to help your life be as great as it possibly can be, if greatness is serving, we got a problem. Because that is not what we're striving to be. So I know when I look at my heart, I'm just, man, when I look at my heart and when I look at the culture around us, and then I look at Jesus, I realize I don't, I don't, I don't have a clue. As we're going to sing later today, I am so far from really knowing and understanding the beauty of God. Now, why do we struggle to be great? That's what we're going to look at, right? So the first two weeks, um, last week with my wife Susie, who spoke, two weeks ago from me, we've kind of established from Scripture that greatness means the lowest position, the servant of all. So what we're going to do today and the next two weeks is we're going to start looking at, then how can I actually do this? Why don't I serve? And that's what I want to look at today. Here's a clue. In Philippians, it goes on to say, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So don't be selfish. Have zero selfish ambition or vain conceit. Why are we driven? Why does the Bible have to tell us, don't be selfish and don't go after vain conceit? I think the selfish one's pretty obvious. Can I tell you something interesting about vain conceit? That word, actually, in the original language, means this, empty glory. Vain conceit, being driven by, driven by vain conceit, means your glory empty. Okay, David, what does that mean? If your glory empty, see, he, what was Jesus? Jesus was full of glory. And so because he was full, he emptied himself. But because you and I are empty of glory, we're seeking to fill ourselves. So that's why you're, you're striving in your jobs or you want to get married or you're depending on a person or whatever it is, you're every human, all of us, are glory starved. So we're not sure of our significance or our value. We're starved for respect and honor, for validation and approval. And if we don't have honor, you guys, you know what we'll do? We'll do everything we can to fill that void. We need to know that we matter. So Jesus, full of glory, emptied himself and became a servant. We are empty of glory, trying to fill ourselves, and so we don't seek to serve anybody except ourselves. So, so here's where we're going to go today, and this is really, really important. I'm going to walk a lot on the stage so kind of because I want you to really get this. And I've shared this with you before, but this is critical for today. All right, actually, I'm going to start over here. <laughs> every, everything you do, everything I do, every action that we actually make is 
only happens because something moves you to do it. There's a motive, there's an emotion that drives you to act. But everything that you feel, this emotion, this motive that rises up within you, gets triggered by a thought. So you think something, it moves you to act. And here's the most important thing. When something happens in your life, thoughts come into your mind because every thought is triggered by what you believe. By what you believe. See, this is why I say all the time, there are things that I know about God that I don't believe. Because when you really believe something, it triggers thoughts that give emotions that move you to act. Okay? So, what we're going to look at today is how did Jesus, how was he so free to serve? How could he do this? How could he say, I didn't come to be served, but to serve? How could he never one time ever think about himself above another human being, but always be for the, oh, that's just, how did he do that? The only way we can find out the answer is we got to go all the way back and find out what he believed. Does that make sense? Okay, and here's what's cool about today. When we reveal what Jesus knew, you and I can know the same things. What did the scripture say? In your relationships with each other, have the same mind as Christ. Okay? So that's where we're going to go today. Let me pray for us, and then let's ask him to set us free so we can be great. Jesus, I pray today that you would come in and just, God, we just confess to you. Obviously, we're believing stuff that is so the opposite of what you believed because we do not live anything like you. Please today, set us free. Marriages in this room right now today are dependent on a life-altering, radical transformation of what we believe so that behavior with each other can change. God, save marriages. Give hope for marriages today. Mend parenting and child relationships today. God, in our relationships, would you give us the mind of Christ? Help us by your word to see what it is that you do and what you know. And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here we go. John chapter 13. Okay, so if you have Bibles, and we're going to be in this chapter for the next three weeks. So if you want to go home and read this and kind of become familiar with it, that'd be awesome. Um, if you don't have the K2 app, you can go to the app store, download the K2 app. All of my notes, all the scripture every Sunday is on that. You can follow along on your app, or you can get, pull up your Bible online. All right? This is so Can I just say, this truth got revealed to me like years ago. I've been waiting years to give this message, because this is so cool. Here we go. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, I just want to say that word there, actually, it, it, again, in its essence, it means to its fulfillment. So sometimes your Bible will be translated to the end, and sometimes it'll say he loved them to the full extent. I actually think it means that full extent. So Jesus is going, I'm going to show you the full extent of my love. Verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil, and this is right before Jesus was going to be crucified. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew, now, he, now, look, now listen to this. Here we go. This is our verse. 
Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He knew that he had come from God. And he knew that he was returning to God. So, that's a very important verb. Therefore, for this reason, because he knew those things, what did he do? He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin. He began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, there is no way that you and I can understand what was going on in this moment. But let me do my best to explain. In that culture, right, everybody's walking around in sandals. And when you're walking around in sandals and it's hot and you're sweaty and your feet, right, they are getting really disgusting and gross. I think feet are gross anyway. Anybody else? Okay. So, you know, like, so, like, so, like, don't touch my feet. That's just, you know, all of you who like your pedicures, you, you go for it. But here's what, in this culture, feet were grimy and sweaty and dirty. And it was always the servant's job in the home to be the one who would come to the guests because he was a servant, right? So you hire these people so you don't have to do it. And they come down and they get down and they take every person's dirty feet and wash them for them. There is no way ever that you would see the guest of honor come down, take off his outer garments. Some commentators believe that that meant he literally looked almost like the day he died on the cross, bare-skinned with a towel wrapped around him, leaning down and doing the most menial task. And we're going to spend three weeks looking at this because it's absolutely phenomenal. So today, how did he do that? Why did he do that? There's three things that Jesus knew in that verse 3. Here's the first one. And you and I can know the same thing. I can know, you can know, that you have everything. You can know that you have everything. John 13, 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Other translations say that God had given all things into his hands, that he had given him authority over everything. So, so what does this mean? So let me, here's where we go. So, and remember, what does the Bible say? Have the same mind as Jesus. So what did he know? So he knew that the Father had given him all authority, everything, right? Everything in heaven and earth actually belonged to Jesus. Everything was in his hands. That's what he knew. Now, if you know that, then when you're in a situation like where some serving opportunity has to come around and you get here, if that's what he knew, then what thoughts come to Jesus? I think what he was thinking was, I lack nothing. I have everything. Everything there is is actually mine. See, now, if you think that everything is yours, how does that make you feel? I mean, when you got everything, how are you feeling? Yeah, you're feeling pretty good, right? Did you, what'd you say? Full. That's, a, that's the answer. Good job. <laughs> no, but, no, but seriously, here's what you would feel if you had everything. You would feel absolutely content. You'd be absolutely content, right? I mean, seriously, it's like when after you've had a huge meal and you're full, 
See, now you don't need to be looking for something else. You don't even want anything else. And when you're full of something like this, if that's how you're feeling, then when it comes time to act, you're so full and that Jesus could therefore empty himself. And so because he knew, right, he knew that everything was his, he thought, I lack nothing. He felt contentment and he was full. So what did he do? He, oh, come on, come on, come on. He served. And I want everybody to say this. I'm going to say it a lot today. Would you just, just, just run with me on this one? Say it with me. He served. Okay. Why don't you and I serve? It's because we don't think we have everything. I remember, I, I use this illustration because it's the best one. I've used it a lot here. But when I was in Europe, one of the things, I love Europe, but what I hate about Europe is you order a Coke and the glass is this big and it's warm. Right? Anybody? It's this big and it's warm and it costs 10 bucks. Right? I mean, you just spend a ton of money for a warm little Coke. And I remember thinking, I can't wait to get back to the States and go to 7-Eleven and give me a cup that's about this big with tons of ice in it that I can go back and refill as much as I want. Right? See, if you have a Coke that's this big and you spent 10 bucks on it and it's warm and somebody goes, hey, can I have a drink of that? What do you do? Get it all, get your own, man. Right? But if you know you've got a big gulp this big and you can refill it as much as you want and somebody says, can I have a drink of your Coke? What do you do? Sure. Here's what I want to tell you, man. You, you and I, we can have the same mindset as Christ. Look at this verse, Ephesians chapter 1. I keep asking, this is Paul praying for you and me today. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, can I just, this is good news, you guys, because look at you actually need a spirit of wisdom and revelation to help you to know God. Okay, so if you're here and you go, man, I don't really get God. Well, of course you don't, you're human. He's so far beyond you. His spirit actually has to come to give you wisdom and revelation so you can even understand him. And then the verse goes on. He goes, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength. Listen to this. You can have incomparably great power. And it is the same power as the mighty strength that God exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. See, the verse goes on to say, and God placed everything everything in heaven and on earth under Christ's feet and he appointed him to be head over everything this is so cool for the church so why don't you and I serve one of the reasons we don't serve is because we feel like we're lacking and so we're actually instead of pouring ourselves out to others we're still trying to get stuff because we're empty in our glory where Jesus was full so what can we know According to that verse, man, if you're note takers, you guys should be writing this stuff down because don't forget this stuff. What can you know? Because I don't have time to explain it. The hope of eternal life. You can know the hope of eternal life. And eternal life is when you know, Jesus said, 
Eternal life is not going to heaven. It's when you know God and he's with you right now. You can know right now, God's with me. What else can you know? That you have an inheritance. Anybody want an inheritance? Everybody wants an inheritance. Why? Because if I have an inheritance, I'm going to be rich. And he says, you have one. And I'm praying that you would know the inheritance that you have. Earlier in the chapter, it says, every spiritual blessing in Christ is already yours. You're filthy rich. And then he says, I want you to know the same power that raised Christ from the dead. What was that power, you guys? See, sin is, the consequence of sin is death. Jesus had no sin in him, none. You know what that means? He never once thought about himself. He was absolutely pure in his love towards God and other people. And God is saying, I can give you the same power to be free from yourself. It's uncrazy. So, and then he says, Christ is seated in all authority. Right now, right now, on, on this day, Sunday, January 24th, 2016, Jesus Christ is in all authority, all power for you. I'm telling you, man. So now you can know, oh my gosh, I have all this. Well then, what can you think? See, now you too can think, I lack nothing. Oh my gosh, I have everything. In fact, look at this scripture. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us, what's the word? Everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So when an opportunity comes up and some serving thing happens, you can sit there and go, man, I know I already have everything. I lack nothing. How's that make you feel? Absolutely content, completely full. So now instead of, instead of being empty of glory, you're like, I'm the richest spiritual brat on the earth. I got so much to give. So then, then what do you do? You serve. So if you don't serve your wife, if you don't serve your husband or your children, if you don't serve here at K2, if you go to work tomorrow and all you've been thinking about is yourself and you don't serve, one of the reasons could be is you need to know that you have everything because now you can be full to give, all right? Number two, what can you know? You can know who you are. I can finally know who I am. Look at Jesus, 13.3. It says, Jesus knew that he had come from God. He knew that he had come from God. Where'd you come from, right? So it's, it's a question we ask, even first service. I was meeting somebody down here in the first service, and hey, where are you from? Michigan. Oh, Michigan. Where are you from? East Lansing. Oh, you're a Spartan fan. <laughs> Absolutely I am. See, I already know that about her because of where she came from. Where you come from is your identity. And I just want to tell you, this is where most of the problem lies. Because all the possible situations that are in this room, you came from a broken home. Every one of you. I don't even care if you had an awesome mom and dad. They're still human. You know, I, I say this all the time. I'm scared to death to pay the counseling bills that my children are going to have later in life. Because I'm messed up. Every one of you in this room has a hole in your heart because of where you came from. And that hole, whether it was I didn't, they didn't spend time with me, I didn't get affirmation, I was abused, whatever it is, you're trying to fill that. So where do you come from is huge. Well, Jesus knew, okay, let's follow this. Jesus knew that he had come from God. So what did he know? I'm the son of God. How's that? 
See, and because he knew that that's who he was, then what would Jesus think? Wait a second. I know I'm the son of God. So when this came up, he'd go, I'm in very nature God. Remember that from Philippians? I'm in very nature God. That means Jesus would think, I'm absolutely, perfectly, and eternally loved. See, you read the scriptures, you guy, what Jesus said over and over and over and over again was the Father loves me, the Father loves me, the Father loves me, the Father loves me. See, that would be his thought. Now, if, if a situation rises up and you go, man, I'm a son of God and I think that I am absolutely fully loved, how does that make you feel? Now, I sat there in my couch and I'm like, what does it feel like when you know you're absolutely loved? Oh my gosh, you guys, that's when you know you're valuable. That's when you know you're esteemed. And nothing fills, here we are again, right? You're filled because you know you're loved. And when you're filled with love and an opportunity comes, what do you do? You, okay, you're awesome, the rest of us, you serve. So why don't you serve? Why are you not loving, why, what, what, seriously, guys, when you get home, why are you just hoping that she's got dinner on the table, right? And the house is clean and the kids are shutting up. Why? Why women? Are you just waiting for your husband to come home? And when he comes home, he better take care of all the, you know, why, why do we do that? Why are we not looking for the opportunity to serve? I bet you any money it's because we don't know. Look at, here's what's so cool. Have the same mind as Jesus. So what can you know? This is so good. Here's what we can know. That we are his creation. Colossians 1.16, in him, in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Here's what you gotta remember, and this is not a trite thing. I often find myself meditating on this in my own time with God in the morning. The only reason you're here is because you're God's idea, and he knits you together wonderfully, masterfully. A science is discovering you are crazily made. And so once you realize I'm only here because God thought of me and I'm his creation, that gives you value, man. He, you matter to him. But let's go one step further. What else can you know? When you receive Jesus Christ into your life and you receive his spirit, you can know that you're his child. And you've got to know who you are. I'm going to say this. I know this is tough, but it's true according to the Bible. Every person on this planet is loved by God. But not everybody on this planet is a child of God. What Jesus came to tell us was, to become his child, you must receive his spirit. To be born, that's why he used the term, born again of his spirit. And so some of you are feeling so distanced from God, you don't feel close to him, it's because you haven't been reconciled to God and you don't have his spirit yet inside of you. But all of you guys who have received Christ, then you can know. He says, as soon as you receive me, you become my child. It was so fun. My son Caleb was in the first service. I'm sorry he's not here. But it was so beautiful to give this point and look at that little dude sitting right there. Go, that's my boy. And nothing will ever change that. And Caleb being my son, that dude knows I love him, man. Do you know who you are? Do you know that you're a child of God? Because when you know that, guess what thought you can have? I am eternally and perfectly loved. 
And once that starts to take root, once you think these thoughts, and here's the problem of every one of us in this room, come on, we're all human. Here's the problem. We struggle, I struggle to believe that I'm really loved. We're rejected all the time. We're let down by people all the time. And then the lies come into our mind and they tell you, you're not valuable, you're not loved. Some of you just think, man, I'm a loser. I'm not loved. It's not true. Once you're a child of God, you then have different thoughts. And now you think, I am eternally loved. So what's that do? That makes you feel valuable. It makes you feel esteemed. Who cares if you reject me? The God of the universe thinks I'm awesome. I'm David the Great. Right? Seriously, that's how you should be thinking about yourself. Because then once you're full of his love, now when an opportunity comes, you can serve. Do you know who you are? Is your identity? I'm telling you, greatness flows out of identity. You got to know you were created to be a child of God. You need to think that in your head and it'll change how you live. Here's the third one. You and I can know where we're going. I can know where I'm going. It says, Jesus said he knew that he was returning to God. Earlier it said, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Okay, so let's think about this. Why did Jesus serve? He said because he knew where he was going. So what did Jesus know? He knew this world is not my home. See, that's what Jesus knew. He knew, I will soon be in heaven with my Father on my throne in glory forever. This is my home. See, now, once you know that, then how does that make you think? I think Jesus in that moment is going, I've only got one shot down here. I'm spending the rest of eternity in heaven. I only have this time. And because I'm going into heaven with all the glory that I had before, He goes, I know that I've got nothing to lose and I have everything to gain. And I think this is why in Philippians when it says, for the joy set before him. See, Jesus was thinking in this moment, oh man, when I get to heaven, he goes, I can't wait to bring as many people as I can. So he knew this isn't my home. I've only got one shot down here. I got nothing to lose and everything to gain. So when you're thinking those thoughts, you know what it makes you feel? See, now you feel absolute freedom. You feel freedom from all the ties of this world. You guys, you know this, right? All of us are spending so much time and so much energy and so much resource on all this crap down here that when we die, nobody's taking it with them. You're going to spend eternity with nothing that you spent all of your life on down here. But why are you spending it down here? Because you feel like you're empty and you got to show everybody that you're something. But once you know you're something and once you know that this isn't your home, Now you can feel a sense of freedom from the ties of this world. And I think you can start to feel compassion for the world that's so broken. And you can start to feel, and this is what I think what happened to Jesus, you start to feel an absolute determination that you're going to fulfill the purpose for your life. And when you're full of purpose that's greater than this life, and an opportunity comes up, you know what you do? Because you only got one shot. What do you do? You serve. serve. So why don't you serve? Why don't we serve our our spouses and our kids and our church and our workplace and our friends and the community and the world? What do we need to know? We need to have the same mind as Jesus. 
So here's what we need to know. That this world is not my home either. Do you guys know that? You need to know that this is not your home and that one day too, we will be in the presence of God in glory forever. Just this week, right, two people in our community, Mark Demiglio, who all of you see out here, greeting every person who walks through these doors, had a stroke. Vicki Ayers, a beautiful person here at K2, the next day has a heart attack. And thank God for the medical community because they're still alive with us today. But we very easily, Mark and Vicki could have been in glory with Jesus. And you never know, right? You never know. But here's what they know now. This world ain't their home, man. And someday you're going to go, well, how does that change the way you think? See, when you know that, now you think, I've only got one shot down here. This is all I've got. I have eternity. I've got nothing to lose and I have everything to gain. My, my, my sister-in-law, Kelly, it's amazing. When she was in her late 40s, her and my brother, Mark, who was in his early 50s, their kids are grown, right? Now's the time. I get to live for me and I get to be free to do whatever I want. You know what they do? They adopt two inner city babies. Babies. One is born without a pancreas. Only 12 in the nation. And they, that means say, tight, very concentrated medical attention all day long, every day, probably for the rest of her life. And the other little boy, her brother, was born as a heroin addict, born with that. And they adopt these two little kids and start all over in their late 40s and early 50s. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's unbelievable. They gave their life away. And people, Callie, when we were talking to her, they said, people come to me all the time, Dave, and they say, why are you doing this? And here was her answer. Because I have eternity to live in comfort, perfection, sipping margaritas by the beach. I'm going to be able to do that for eternity, she said. This is my only chance to lay my life down for those who are in need and to help a broken world find restoration. Is that unbelievable? See, that's Callie's and Mark's thoughts. Why? Then you know what happens when you think that way? Guess how you feel? You feel this fullness of purpose and a determination to give your life away because that's all you've got. And so when an opportunity arises, do you sit on your bum? No, what do you do? You serve. Okay, now I'm getting strong here because every one of us in this room wants to live a great life and every one of us is duped in thinking then I better get as much as I can for myself. And I must spend all my energy and my resource building my own thing because that'll make me feel better. And it destroys you. It makes you stress out. It puts all this pressure on you and it hurts your relationships. It's absolutely evil. You guys know the Bible says that selfish ambition, remember, remember, have none of that? Selfish ambition is demonic. It's demonic. You and I need to be rescued from this. So, what can we do? How can we empty ourselves? And here's what I want to tell you. This, I'm hoping, okay, here's the other thing I think is really encouraging. So if you're not serving right now, then it's actually not a, it's not an action problem. Do you guys get this? So don't do behavior modification. <laughs> the only way you're going to actually become a servant is you need to have a different drive inside you, which will only come if you think differently, which will only come if you know and believe. And this is why the Bible says the only thing that counts is faith.
That word faith is pistis. It's the same word for believe. The only thing that counts is what you believe. Do you guys see why it says that now? Because what you believe makes you do everything that you do. So how in you, can I actually become servants? How can we become great husbands and great wives and great parents? How can we become great members of a church? How can we be great in our community? First thing, you guys, we have to renew our mind. We gotta get a new mind. The Bible says it very clearly. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. So, you gotta dig deeper. And we're gonna go next two weeks. We're gonna keep going on this, okay? But can I just tell you, everything in the world tells you to live for yourself. Everything does. Everything in your very human nature says, think about you first. It's called the sinful nature. It's sin. And we're all stuck with it. You're telling yourself to live for you. The world's telling yourself, telling you to live for yourself. And the, and the spiritual enemy is lying to you every day that that's how you're going to find greatness. The only hope we have is you've got to be receiving the word of God as much as you can. It is the sword of the spirit. You need, the whole, you need to be in every opportunity you can to let the Holy Spirit change your mind. So man, please, for your own sake, for your family's sake, for this world's sake that needs people who are free from themselves, don't miss. Gift yourself in here on a regular basis. Get into a Life Together group where you can take the word of God and discuss it. Join our base camp. Join our K2U that your dispenser's gonna share with us in just a minute. You guys, you've got to be putting in the word of God. It's the only thing that's gonna battle this huge thing because you and I have a mindset that's been trained to believe that greatness, what's gonna satisfy me is to elevate myself. And it's straight from hell. Straight from hell. All right? So, do you know you have everything? Do you know who you are? and that you're loved, a child of God, and do you know where you're going? Band, come on up. Let me just give you a couple other um, applications, because I will say this. When, when, when you, because you heard new stuff today, now that you know something differently, it's gonna take a while, but if you exercise this, you can start thinking differently. Here's what I find. I'll, I know stuff, and I can start thinking differently, but my emotions still go, oh God, don't. Right? I still feel this thing like, don't give up your life. Are you crazy? Can I tell you, to go from that thinking to action takes faith, okay? So here's the other action step I want to give you. Today, just today, just try it today. Go home and consider others better than yourself. Just today. See what happens. If you elevate your spouse or your kids or your friends, or your coworkers tomorrow. Go to work tomorrow and just say, you know what? I'm gonna believe what Jesus said, man. I'm gonna believe it. I'm gonna think differently when I go to work and I'm gonna lift people up instead. Can I tell you, take the crash course here, you guys. It's, it's coming up in two weeks. What's a crash course? We designed it because you know the DNA of K2? We only exist here today because 30 people sold their homes, quit their jobs and left their families so that this church could exist. They gave up everything. <laughs> And Jesus says, you will not fail to receive a hundred times as much if you give up everything. 
but what we knew is it's really hard. So we developed a crash course to say, if you want to go from attending K2 and just, uh, just attending to actually joining and making K2 great, then you got to join the crash course. It's, it's my favorite thing to do. I love it. I get a chance to meet you. I get a chance to hang out with you. And we get a chance to talk about what can make us great here at K2. So if you want to come alongside and go for it, it starts, uh, it starts February 3rd, next, uh, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday, right here on Wednesday nights. And I'd love to have you join us for that, okay? And then the last one I just want to give you here, here at K2, and I shared this before, but our Adventure Canyon, our kids' ministry, those, those people right now are loving your children. And every Sunday, we never have enough people in the rooms. I heard again this week that people had to get turned away last week because we don't have enough people serving. Now, can I just tell you, that's where I go, wow, we are so, we got a long way to go to become great, don't we? Because if you're great, then you strive in the earth. And I just want to tell you, let's strive instead to elevate, but let's really believe the kingdom of God is to strive to go down. We should have people fighting to fill every position here if the kingdom of God was really, if Jesus was really living in us, we'd actually be fighting to fill those positions. There wouldn't be enough. So man, even after the service, just go down, go to the cafeteria. Tammy Holm, our children's director, and, and Keith Tall, our, our other person on staff, they'd love to meet you. If you would just join us, let's be a great church, okay? So go ahead and stand up. So here's what we're going to do. Every human being, we all, everybody worships something. Because what you worship is what you believe is going to satisfy you, okay? And that's why we worship our work, why we worship money, why we worship positions, why we worship people, even spouses. Because we think that that's it, so I'm going to give my devotion and my time to that. And so if you're new to church or whatever, you guys, that's why we take this last moment of our service to worship. It's going to give you a chance in these next 15 minutes to tell God, no, I believe you're great. Please change my mind. I want to be great too. God, here's my broken, messed up, selfish heart, and I'm handing it to you. I worship you, not anything else. Please make me great. That's what these songs are going to give you a chance to do. And what's so cool, you guys, we're going to take our offering in this moment. And what's so crazy is, Again, why is offering worship? Because the same strategy goes. If you don't give, if you're not generous financially, the same principle holds. It's because you don't know you have everything. It's because you don't know that you're loved and that you're really a child of God, and you don't know that, you're, that this isn't your home. And so you think, well, this is all I got. So you're sending all of your resource, right? Like Jesus said, don't put your treasure on earth where moth and rust are going to steal it and kill it and destroy it. Put your treasure in heaven. Why don't we do that? Because we don't believe that that's actually going to be the best thing. When you have everything and you realize you're not here, even this offering goes, what am I doing? Absolutely. I worship him, not myself. Here's the faithful service. God, here you go. Thank you for giving me everything I need. I give it back to you. And it'll make your heart thrive and you'll be alive. Oh, maybe. Enjoy these next 15 minutes. Get your heart connected to God. Walk out of here completely different, all right? Let's do it.